concept for EPAR trade is basically, in my opinion, there's a big hole in the internet. So the internet started many years ago, but there's never been an online business community for racers on the World Wide Web. The need for EPAR trade is actually quite obvious. Basically, people in the business of auto racing need a place online to hang out and get their problems solved. It's extremely simple for a buyer or for a supplier to interact on the platform. The first thing you need to do is sign in, which is free. And the second thing is when you see a product that you're interested in, all you need to do is click on request more information. If it's a company, you click on request more information. And then from there, it is forwarded directly to the buyer or to the supplier. You can go to epartrade.com, you become part of a community of businesses in racing and it makes uh, sourcing products much easier than just on the internet or using Google. At epartrade there is no e-commerce, it's literally a connection just like at a trade show. So now, any time of the year, a buyer could reach out to a supplier through an email. More than that, it's a place to go just to keep current every day. So it's a good place to start your workday in your racing business or in your offices of your professional race team. And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all of that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of EPAR trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world. EPAR trade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology. Good morning from California. It is uh, nine o'clock here. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of EPAR trade. With me is Judy Kin, the co-founder of EPAR trade. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Francisco and Jeff. And a wonderful host, Mr. Jeff Hammond. So uh, this is going to be episode 106 of Race Industry Now, the technical and business series from EPAR Trade. So who are we going to be talking to, Julie, today? Well, we are very lucky to have Hampty Race Cars with Cody Glick and also the hugely respected Tom Buzzy of Buzzy Racing, which I was fortunate to work with. And uh, every time I'm in North Carolina, I try to stop in and visit their family-owned company and I just love them as people, so. Uh, I see Cody and Tom right there. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, folks. Uh, I mean, it's good to see you, Francisca, as well as uh, Judy. And I'm very honored to be joined by our guest today because I think this uh, could wind up being interesting. Uh, every time I go by and see Tom Buzzy, I haven't had the pleasure really to really talk to Cody, but every time I go by and see Tom, uh, I wind up losing about half a day there messing around with him because he's such an easy guy to talk to. It's so informative. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to this little uh, session we've got going on. Very good. Excellent. So, Jeff, you are in charge. Judy and I will disappear for the next hour, and then we'll see you guys in about an hour. And while we are away, I would say if you're watching us for the first time, there's a chat button, so you're welcome to ask any questions anytime you want. Thank you very much. All righty. Thank you, Francis. And uh, good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing well. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well. I really am. Tom, how are you today? Great, Jeff. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Um, Real quick, let's just uh, get through some of this stuff. Cody, I understand you're just getting back off the road. You've been out uh, with a new customer uh, working on uh, a new car like we see him behind you right there. So how did everything go? It was good. Uh, I was up at Milwaukee Mile for the Father's Day race. And then uh, we had a test at Slinger, uh, Slinger Speedway, also in Wisconsin, um, and, uh, yesterday. And then I got back late last night. So everything went well and uh, happy to be here. Well, I guess the main thing is people probably wondering, is, is this a standard practice for you and Hampke Racing to at race cars to go with your customers to make sure that they, uh, you know, have a, a great experience or is, or is this a test session for a new product coming down the road? Um, I think a big part of our business is customer support. Um, the way the, the late model industry is, is transcended, it's uh, they... They like, they like all the information they can from all the, like, 
as us as a family, I try and have every team share everything we can to make all our cars as good as we possibly can be. So I'm constantly on the road, you know, with new customers, trying new ideas, new, new, new technology. And um, it's, it's been good. Tom, how about for you? I mean, I know every time I've come by the shop, you're usually in the shop working, but uh, I've also heard you talk about working with some of your customers and, and guys, just so everybody understands you, your main focus are, are normally the weekend warriors, the guys who run in the local short tracks all around the country, maybe even all the way around the world. But uh, I know that, you know, you interact quite closely also with your customers and, and trying to come up with a better product, especially when they bring you a problem that they have created somewhere along the way so you can figure out how to stop it. Yeah, very true. Much the same customer service. I think what Cody said is, is paramount. And I know you've experienced that with us, Jeff. And Cody and I, interestingly enough, that's how we kind of got to know each other over the years back before he was, you know, running him. He, you know, he was uh, in another position and that challenge came about and we had to do a lot of testing in that. And we do it with, we currently still do it. We're uh, all the time, my son, Tom, myself, we're out testing with people, making new products all the time. It's, uh, you know, everything is evolving. And especially like over here, things are evolving very fast. So Cody challenges us, you know. So Cody, you know, one of the things that we were talking about here as far as uh, the short track deal, how much is a new technology? I mean, from whether it's CAD drawings, I don't know what it is. What, what new technology is really kind of like leading your part of the industry right now? I mean, for us, a lot of it, yeah, we, we have a really good base as far as a, a chassis, our baseline setup, but I think it goes to like, it's all the new technology is what Tom comes up with or say Ernest performance with shocks, or it's just, I think we have a really good core. So it's the components you bolt on that core that make you a better company, a better product. Like I said, the customer service is a huge part, but it's just it's just constantly evolving and keeping up with the technology. I was just sitting here thinking as I looked at that beautiful chassis behind you, um, I was wondering, both of you, how much did the COVID year, the year of the COVID, um, affect you and your products? And a lot of people have talked about, you know, the quality of the steel that a lot of times and the products themselves have been a really a, a struggle for a lot of, you know, small companies uh, to be able to get, you know, deliver their product, you know, like they'd like to. So for us, we had, we had a little bit of issue with, with material, um, stock car steel with Greg Fernelli and that whole group, they did. I mean, it's incredible how they kept up with it somehow, because I think there was a lot of companies that struggled. Um, we may have had a, a month where it was kind of hit or miss, but as far as staying in stock and all that, it's been really good. Um, I think some of the component sides of things have been a, a bit of a struggle for us, um, trying to get everything on the shelf and stay, stay, you know, up to date on all that. But uh, all in all, I mean, it's not, it's not been terrible for everything we've gone through. For us, Jeff, we were deemed essential early on in the deal. So we kept everybody working through the whole, COVID thing and, and the challenge is to be honest with you, we were extremely busy. We had a pretty good backlog when it all happened. So we knew my son, Tom, Alan, Lori, myself, we all got together and decided that, you know, we've got a lot of work here we can get done. And then, you know, little by little, the dirt guys started racing first. And then, you know, it kind of came on after that. And uh, we have been extremely busy like Cody. I mean, he's obviously kept us going and uh, the challenge is more Jeffer now. I mean, we're seeing it more now than we did early on because of, you know, the work environment, people aren't working and, you know, from tires to metals and we're, it's just every time we turn, every avenue we turn down, it seems like a roadblock gets thrown up and it's, you know, four weeks, six weeks, whatever, nine weeks. It's, it's pretty tough. Go ahead, Cody. Are you going to say something, follow up? It was, it was kind of crazy. Like when COVID hit, and everybody was shutting down and obviously we were a two-year company at that point. And I was, I was scared to death. Like, I'm like, man, this is, this is going to be devastating. And it, it was the exact opposite. Like I, I couldn't believe it. Like our bit, like we were, you know, we always kind of maintained 15 cars or so behind. And I mean, since then we've doubled, like we're, we're maintaining anywhere from 25 to 30, 30 cars back at all times. So it's just, it's insane, but it's great. Okay. All right. Say that one more time. 
you are 25 to 30 cars behind. Yeah. Or, 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 let me put it this way then, that are ordered that you've got already in, you know, this on the books to be built. Let me put it like that. Right. Not yeah, really we, you're behind, but you're just, you, you're overwhelmed, just swamped. It's, it's, it's a blessing. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. That brings me to the next point uh, for, for both of you. You know, when I ask some of these questions here, but with your business right now, how difficult is it to, number one, have enough frame jigs? You know, are you, can you expand? And also, if you did expand to try to get caught up on your inventory, can you find quality workers that can come in and follow your, your guidelines? So it's kind of been a, I've been back and forth on it. Like I've got a really solid group of guys here. Um, we got, we have 12 employees total. And I think we're just, we're at the perfect number. Like I, could we expand and, and try and pump out a bunch of stuff maybe, but like, I don't, I don't want to give up quality for quantity. Like we, we hold our, our standard really high on quality and repeatability and, and all of that. So I think the number we're at, like we can, we can build one frame a week and we try and produce four, four cars out the door a month. And that's kind of our model. And that's, I don't, I want, I don't want to say it's our happy spot, but it, it seems to work the best for us right now. How about you, Tom? I know you pretty much a family run organization there, uh, but I do know you've got some, some key people in key places right now, since I started hanging back out with you that, um, how, how easy, it, how easy is it to find somebody that can come in maybe in a, in a spot and help you out? Um, it isn't easy right now at all. You know, we're currently looking for, to add some people we've been looking, um, we put it on social media. We've used some other forms. Uh, you can get bodies, Jeff, but anybody that knows that has the ability to do. So the standards that Cody's talking about, you've been one of our customers, you know, we, mm -hmm our standards very high also and you know that's one of the reasons where i'm sitting here next to cody because of that track record the employee side uh, you know the younger generation now isn't doing what we did yet didn't you know they're not working on race cars they're not doing that we're currently teaching our grandsons how to work on race cars because of you know their race cars in other words um it's a really big challenge i think here in our environment as you're aware of you know there's some things coming in the next couple of months that are going to be pretty bleak for the, you know, from the other side of it, from the, you know, that there's going to be a lot of people available is what we're hearing. So maybe at that point we can shore up and we can hire some people. With that being said, guys, you know, you guys have, you know, uh, talk about how you work together. Okay. Can you share with us so that, you know, the folks there that are watching today can understand how you can work together and not, not be, and I want to use this term very loosely, feel like, you know, you're, you're threatened by your, you know, one of your business doing better than another business or, or one of your, you know, possibly your business is dragging somebody down because of something. So how, how does that really work? I mean, what do y'all do that, that, you know, makes you sit side by side here today? Uh, basically telling everybody out there, both of you guys have got great businesses because we, you know, develop new product, what kind of products? We, do, we work through problems. What kind of problems? You know, what, is that, what is that all like? Well, the relationship is built on trust. And the only way to build trust, with, the way we built trust with Cody is by doing what he asked us to do and keeping our mouth shut when he asked us to do that also. So there's things that are proprietary to Cody. One thing we've developed is a rack eye. You know, we've got a rack eye that's an up and a down eye together, and it's all slugged in 30 seconds of an inch. And Cody was... Cody came in with us before he was here and helped us develop that piece and put it on his car. First car he ever built here, you know, we had them on a current. Um, so the relationship we built is taking time and there's a, there's a mutual trust for sure. Yeah. It's working with Tom and his family has been, it's been pretty awesome. Like I, I, I feel like I'm a little bit a part of their family as well. And any idea that I come up with or whatever, I bounce it off him and we come up with something that's really cool. Or if we have an issue with a product that either I, I do or he does, we work together to try and figure out what makes it better or how not, how for it to not fail. So um, business to business, it's, it's been awesome. Okay. With that being said, uh, let's go back to kind of like the very beginning when we guys first come on here. 
uh, exactly what type of chassis do you all specialize in, Cody, so that, you know, folks out there can know. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody thinks Hamke race cars. If you have know anything about the history of Hamke, uh, you've been known for like late models, super late models more than anything else. But what, do you do any other kind of chassis in there? More if I let me on this one, but right now our main focus is is asphalt late models. Whether it's a super, a crate, any anything in the asphalt industry, there we we dabble a little bit in late model stocks. Um, with our backlog, it's really hard to to get that off the ground. At some point, I need to be able to focus and try and get that production going as well. Um, we do have a customer here, you know, close to us that we do anything they need, but, uh, our main focus is asphalt super light models and crate. How about you, Tom? Do you have anything as far as, I, I know this, that at one time, like I say, you were heavily involved in NASCAR trucks, Xfinity, and even cup. And you're, you have redesigned your business model to try to accommodate what the future is holding right now. Cause you know, next year, the, the 2022 car is going to be dramatically different. I mean, we're, we're talking about the, the, the loss of a, the normal four speed that we're used to seeing and rear gears, like we're used to seeing in the cup area. So how do you, how have you and your company adapted to that? And at the same time, uh, I've heard you brag about, you know, how you have generated great business relationships and new business in the short track, short track ranks. Well, the, we are still, you know, we are still involved with NASCAR and yes, that is coming. Uh, thankfully, you know, our relationship, you know, we all have relationships. So we were privy to some of the information long ago, what was happening with, you know, the Gen 7 car. So my son, Tom and I sat down and I said, I think we really need to focus, not take away our focus from the NASCAR deal, but we need to focus more on short tracks because honestly Jeff there's way more short track cars out there than our NASCAR cars anyway mm -hmm. and uh, and the other side of it is what we found out through our family business being on the road and doing the things we do they need it they need it a lot more they need us Cody they need that technical support you know whenever I go to the racetrack I don't go to sell anybody anything I go to you know offer you know when they have an issue I was under cars at Eldora Two weeks ago you know you just do that but um, yeah snowball derby we're always <laughs> cody's seen it. we've been under his cars you know just if there's an issue or potentially an issue or another you know idea if you will or another set of eyes and mind on it um just really the dynamic is changing for us and it, but the other side is it, it's really the short track side is really coming on and there's a lot of it out there well, it, to me, it sounds like it because a man sitting there with a, a, not a backlog, but at the same time with a uh, a work order of 25 new you know vehicles coming out currently uh, is pretty dang solid. I mean, I'd have to say that, you know, that's that's the kind of steady business that, you know, a lot of people would love to be able to kind of like, you know, wrap their hands around any given day and be able to you know, know that their business as well as their employees are going to be, you know, employed and safely employed you know, for pretty much the rest of the season. And when I say that, it's not like you're just, you're cutting, you're, you're taking orders. Well, I'm saying, you know, Cody, you're going to continue to take orders. So that list could run clear into 2022 easy. Um, these new technologies, I tried to touch on a little earlier. Uh, are you guys been exposed to, or are you looking at any kind of like new materials, you know, like advanced composites? I know there's a lot of people now that are using some advanced composites, sir. That are coming out of of europe and and you know uh in other countries as well as you know a different different types of steel that are now being made around the world and, and are starting to show up you know here in the united states is, is that a a constant area that you guys have to be made you know take time to do your research and, and keep up with i'm sure like the thing with short track racing that they i feel like the promoters all the sanctioning bodies have done a really good job of is they've, I don't want to say they've eliminated all of exotic metals and composites and stuff, but there's a lot of regulations on what you're allowed to use. Like you're only, you're only allowed to use carbon fiber as far as driver cockpit area. Mm -hmm. So they're just, they're trying to keep the price to a, a standard. Um, but there is some things that we are allowed, like 
I choose to use pro molly tubing for all of our chassis um, versus regular DOM tubing or, or regular standard pro molly. Um, but as far as any exotic composites or anything, it's kind of, it we're, our arms are actually tied. We can't really use it. We're currently working on a project right now. I can't talk a lot about it, but um, it's in the works and it's for a long relationship with some composite material in, in a specific part of a car. But uh, we'll stay tuned for that. I'll let you know, okay? Uh, well, come on now. You, you, can, you, can, you can trust me. We just got a few of our friends, maybe 50, 100 on here all now, and, as well as a camera that's, you know, recording all this. You can share it with us, Tom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Your lips are sealed, right? Oh, wait. Sometimes it's kind of funny. Uh, I was also sitting here looking at your chassis, and I might ask you to do me a favor, Cody, if you can, without messing up what we're doing here. Could you slide your chair to the left just a little bit? There you go. Stop right there. And, and where I'm coming with this, I was wanting to look into your particular chassis here, and I'm seeing safety innovations. I see design changes just with some bars. You can see the foot box, the way it's protected. You can see the steel plate that's there in, in the driver's door. Reminds me a lot uh, of a of a NASCAR style cup chassis or Xfinity. So the short track uh, guys are making improvements, and you're part of that. What what can you share with us as far as uh, the creativity from Hamke Racing is concerned, as far as helping protect drivers? So my my background initially was NASCAR racing. That's all I did for the first 16 years of being down here. So with my mentality going into the short track racing. And like he touched on earlier with the new car and everything transitioning, I kind of saw the writing on the walls that, you know, short track racing was, was where it was at for me and the direction I wanted to go. And uh, when we got going, first thing for us was safety. Um, we do a lot of things that some probably don't. Um, the plate here, um, this is 90 thou steel here. It's protected their feet. All, everything around the driver is 16 gauge steel. The rocker on the left side is heavy. It's just for impact zone. Um, all the door bars are, are welded in with 90 thou plate. Um, there's a panel behind the driver's seat that covers their entire back, and it's it's 90 thou steel. Um, I don't know if any. I don't know if you saw it or not. There was the, the accident at Berlin Raceway with Boris Jerkovich, and it took okay. a severe hit to the left front corner. Um, and everything, everything did its job, and nothing protruded through the box. So, I mean, it was, a, it was a really large testament to us on safety and what we did to, to save the man's legs, you know. Um, so we really put a lot of thought in, in care and uh, trying to keep them safe. I know when you say that, and, and I know both of you have been around racing long enough to know where I'm coming at with this kind of a comment, but – do you have customers that come to you from time to time and want to shut, you know, cut a corner on either a product or safety, you know, trying to get an advantage over somebody Oh, So-and-so won't know what they don't check for. You know, you've heard that before, I'm sure. So where do you draw the line on, on, on that for your, for yourself? For, for, I know what you're going to tell me. I'm asking you a question. I, I shouldn't even have to, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Where do you draw the line on? No. Well, for me and Hanshi race cars, we build one product. Like you, there's there's no options. You either get what we what we build, or you choose to go somewhere else. So like this is our our version. Um, it's safe. It's sound. It's done the right way, and like there's there's no option. So like for them to come in and ask to move bars or change thicknesses or or anything of that such, there's there's no options. About with you, Tom, because I know there's a, there's some things you can do to some products every now and then that can make them. Because I know how smart you are, <laughs> and you know where they're going and everything like that. Do do you have to tell your customers from time to time? I know the rules up there. This is not going to come back on me. Absolutely, yes. Um, and it always comes back to the risk and reward factor. You know, you want to you want to make a thinner wall drive check. They're not checking. You know, and then. You've seen and I've seen and Cody's seen a drive shaft come apart. A steel drive shaft. It's not pretty. It's not, you know, does a lot of damage. So we just don't, we won't do it. 
we just if, if it's a rule and it's a broken rule you know you mentioned our family we're you know we strive for years and years to have a good name you know and you don't really get a good name by doing that so we we like being cordial and friendly with the tech people and that's the way we've maintained for years so with that being said um can you bring us up to speed on where the super late model or late model series is today? What are what are drivers when they come to you and, and they decide they want to get a Hampshire race car? What problems have they run into that they're looking for you to help solve? You know, the, is it the, the consistency and repeatability of your chassis? Uh, you know, what it, what exactly is it? Because I mean, there's got to be a reason for somebody to leave either another brand or to give up on trying to build their own in the backyard type scenario? What makes them come and see you and what do you offer them as far as, yeah, don't go don't go to my fellow competitors. Uh, you need to stay with me because I can do X, Y, and Z better than they can. Not that they can't do it. I'm just gonna say you do it better. Um, I think you've lived it. I think when you, you win on Sunday, you sell on Monday. Um, I think customer service is huge. A huge part of Hampshire race cars, um, the quality of our our chassis, our product, um, the family atmosphere that we provide, I really feel is good. But uh, I, th I think at the end of the day, it's it's winning races, and that's what people, that's all anybody wants to do. Um, I think as long as we continue to be successful and and do all the right things and, and create a good a good company to come and, and buy product from, it's it's going to be good. Okay, let's, you know, without giving away your secrets, but let's just say, for example, you just finished up the, the race this past weekend and you went to Slinger and you ran over there. Was, what, what did you learn there that has, maybe you had brought back to the shop today? I mean, and is there anything there that, you know, as far as with the customer's concerned, uh, that they found that was better than maybe the, the previous time that they ran a car. I'm assuming this was a brand new piece. Um, it was actually an existing customer. Okay. Um, and it was mainly going to get a baseline to go back for the Slinger Nationals. The Slinger Nationals is a, it's crazy how tight the field is. And they only lock 12 cars out of the 40 that'll be there. So they lock in 12 and then you got you got to race away. And it's a really hard race. So I think more for us, it was going up there establishing a baseline, getting the driver comfortable with the crew, the crew comfortable with the new team, you know, and um, pretty much that, it wasn't more of a innovation test. It was more of a, a comfort, have a good baseline, be able to go back to the nationals and be prepared. How about for you, Tom? It's, um, you know, I, really it's the same, same type deal, you know, you're, you do this, you get a new customer, much like Cody. Sometimes you have to go with them, test, you know, test axles, test different, you know, whatever component it may be. But um, it, it's just, it's ever evolving. It really is. It's just, it's always something, um, whether it's Cody, a customer, with challenges around every, all the time. Numerous times I've drug him to the racetrack with us and we spend oh, yeah. hours and hours taking rear ends in and out. We, Back we, when differentials were a thing before the school group, um, right. we were trying to develop a lot of things. And the Buzzy family were very intricate in that whole process. And, and the thing is, Tom, you know, you, you guys not only do, you know, gears and transmissions, you also do, you work on steering components. So I know that that can be very important, especially, you know, to maybe young drivers or even old drivers trying to get a certain feel. Um, how do you go about trying to do that? I mean, can you tell us any stories about how that has worked out at a track deal where, you know, somebody goes in and they're struggling, you make the right kind of changes or suggestions, and all of a sudden, bam, I feel everything from the front wheels all the way to the back wheels type deal. There's a couple of different scenarios. One is uh, the feel thing comes a lot from the valving we put in the servo or in the valve in the steering box if it's a late model stock car. So like a lot of guys that have been around a while, they like a fairly stiff valve. You know, uh, the old driver we used to work for, he liked that Cadillac deal, if you remember. <laughs> you, know, you know, and uh, you, you one finger in the spoke and do that. So that, for a guy that knows what he wants to feel the front tires, 
you know, you're obviously up on valve a little bit and we work, we work with Cody, we work with people recommending. Then the other side of it, Jeff, is what we see today a lot more happening. The younger guys coming in, they're, they're getting younger and younger and younger. And even girls, uh, ladies, they, what they're doing is say we have a valve that's a, a medium stiff valve, we'll call it. And these younger guys get in there and their arms get tired. They can't turn it. You know, they're just, they're, they don't have the upper body strength. So we have to soften that valve up and make it easier so they can make the hundred laps or 200 laps or whatever it is that given race. So the, the steering side of it is that. And then like on the dirt cars, we're doing a lot of dirt cars too. And especially the super late models, the guys are going faster and faster and faster with the rack, the speed of the rack. So that's always a challenge from, you know, like Overton likes one thing and Strickler likes something. And there's all these people that are, you know, it's different and you, you got to try to, boy, it's like almost custom fitting each driver. How about you there, Cody? You uh, ever gone crazy trying to get a driver happy just to make it steer better and he keeps wanting to blame it for something else that it's all right there in front of him? Oh, it's too tight, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed that he kind of touched on was with the younger generation and how young the drivers are now, I think from go-kart racing and, and stuff like that, they don't feel like that they should have to move their hands. Down. So the speed of the rack is very critical. Um, like they only feel like they, they only have to turn the wheel this far. When you, If you do this, it turns back, you know? So I think it's kind of a, a mixed bag. Some, I guess your older generations like a different rack and servo setup than the current younger, younger, younger generation. Also, you guys understand where I'm coming from here. How, how many times do you get called after a weekend or maybe even during the weekend, Cody, uh, where somebody's at a racetrack, maybe they're going for the first time and they're used to running Hoosier tires and all of a sudden they got a different tire. I mean, you run in that sometimes as far as that feel again, you know, that goes back to what Tom was talking about that, you know, some, you have to adjust, you know, casters or, or cambers to try to get a, uh, certain feel back that all of a sudden they can't grasp or, or they're frustrated because it doesn't feel the same from their regular track they've been running because of the tire. Um, I feel like for everything we do now is, is main, I would say 90% Hoosier. So I don't think there's a, a difference between brands other than compounds. So all of the country, there's tons of different compounds. So like, Every racetrack with a different compound probably takes a little bit different feel, whether it be camber, like you say, caster. Um, and I think that also goes to a test for having cars all around the country where you can lean on your customers. If I got somebody new going to Colorado National and they're on a different tire and I've got somebody that's local there that's been racing, it helps us get better prepared to send somebody new, you know, with a, with a really good base. How many... Each, you know, like I said, we have, we have all the, every weekend we got people racing all over this country. Um, how do you pick and choose where you go, Cody? Or, and do you have somebody else besides yourself that goes out? Cause I know that, you know, Tom has that same ability. He's got his boys there. You know, if, if he can't go, he's got, you know, some capable people. Do you have other people within your organization that can go out and help? Right now it's new customers usually, come, you know, they come first as far as new car, new customer, <clears throat> let's go to the racetrack comfortable and all that other than that, it's just first come first serve. um i'm currently trying to develop somebody i guess to to be able to come along or go without me the biggest struggle for me is pretty much the snowball derby. like we race all year for one race and it's the snowball derby. um so i feel like my goal my goal every year was to have obviously more and more cars down and my first first year i wanted 10 we had eight and whatever we've grown every year. and it's got to the point now where there's too many for one person. So I need to be able to have somebody to tag along or, or two guys to tag along to be able to support it. Interesting. So you're in your business, the snowball derby is your Indy 500. It is your Daytona 500. That's, that's the race that kind of like separates you from your comp competition, especially if you can dominate being in the main event, right? Um, I mean, granted, there are some marquee events all, all across the country, but for me and the, the location we're in, um, I feel like we race all year to try and get better. 
to go get a Tom Dawson's record. Tom, what about with you? I mean, are there the races and they're, they're your customers and stuff that there, is there a certain race that, you know, you've got to have all your products ready and, and available for them, whether it's you know, the kickoff of a, of a new season or is it midway through? Is it a little bit like the World of Outlaws are doing right now up around South Dakota and Knoxville, you know, just racing eight days in a row? I mean, what is it? And what do you got to be prepared for? I mean, because I've, I've walked, in, walked in your shop after a weekend on a Monday and you sit there and you look at all this stuff and is it all broke? Well, not all of it, but a lot of it, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, guys, they're hard on stuff. I don't think they realize sometimes or a lot of people don't have a, a, a clue how much stuff you get back. And, Cody, I know you do too. You probably roll in on Monday morning from time to time after some big races and your parking lot's full of, of what used to be really beautiful race cars. Well, it's all of the above, yeah, to be honest. It's our, our business, and we've met, you and I talked about this, we've been so blessed to, our, we're full all the time. You know, it's just, it's wonderful. But, you know, that little track in Winston-Salem just started a couple of weeks ago. You know what I'm talking about there. And, you know, it's, I don't know how many we got yesterday in, from there that were on the wall or got wrecked or whatever. So, you know, a deal. And as far as going to races, we're a little different than Cody. You know, we do, you know, we're heavy into late model stock. We're heavy into, you know, obviously supers and pros. We're, we've got a great dirt business with, you know, we don't do a lot with the sprint cars, the late models and, uh, you know, pro late models and modifieds. So we try to target, like Lori and I just went to the dream. We were up there. You know, we'll target, we get with Cody or other customers and we try to go to specific asphalt races. We always try to go to Martinsville. We always go to the Derby, Tom and myself, uh, we always go to the Derby. So you try to strategically pick and thankfully this year we can go with that. I mean, it's a good thing. So with all that being said in the business that you have in front of you right now, what, what does the future look like for Hamkey Racing? Because I know that you guys you know, made a heck of a, a, a business model change back in 2019. And you've been, you know, you know, working, I'm pretty sure, feverishly on that new business model. And Tom, what do you got coming down the pike? Because again, uh, you, you got a, you got a working shop, but you've also got a shop. And I can attest to that you could use a few more feet bill to walk by one another when, when, when you have the weekend, it's all over. You know what I'm saying? You can cover it up with business too. So what's the future look like? So, so I'm going to jump in front of Cody here. So we've actually, um, we're building a new building. Uh, it's supposed to be here in August. And it will actually, it will house Buzzy Racing and it'll house, uh, there's going to be a, a, another part to it. Um, and it's actually going to be right next door on the vacant lot here. So we, we've purchased a lot next door. And um, we're going to build, it's going to be 12,000 square foot building. And uh, the building was supposed to be here in August, but they've, because of everything we've talked about, you know, with COVID and whatnot, it's December now it's going to be delivered, but we're really close to the permitting. We've got all the blueprints done, start permitting. They're going to go ahead and break. They're going to do the slab and everything before the weather gets bad. And uh, we desperately need space and we're going to do it. Uh, we did the walls 20 feet high. So we're going to have two story at the front and uh, really big parts room. So we're anxious, Jeff, we really are. So, Cody, he really must like you if he wants to move next door. He's going to walk across the parking lot now. So, what can we expect out of Hampton Racing? I mean, you already said you like your comfort zone you're in as far as your, your car building is concerned. Uh, so, really, you know, what do you, what do you see in the future? I don't know if I'd call it comfort zone. I just we're, – we're so far backlogged that to start another – to get into heavy into late ball stocks, like that's my next goal, right? Mm -hmm. I got to get through the through the heavy times of what we got going on before we start that next project. And to be able, like you were talking earlier, Monday morning, you have five cars in the parking lot of wrecked. So like that stops, it, it doesn't stop production, but it really slows down new car production because anybody that has a tore up race car come first over new builds. So all repairs come before new builds. Well, it sounds like me, guys, like, you know, the future is just continuing to get brighter and brighter, And which, which you know, and, and again, in talking to a lot of people in racing, and when you look at the overall racing 
um, mentality right now, a lot like what Eve Partrade has seen in their business. I mean, they, they have come up with this great idea because all of a sudden, you know how racers are. You, you, you don't sleep a lot when you're really in the middle of, of a season. Uh, you're always constantly trying to come up with ideas or figuring out how to rechange your schedules and stuff. And I know with, with the, the, their main pro thought process is we want people that wake up at middle of the night and need to look something up to have that ability to find the company they need to call first thing the next morning and get a part or get, you know, advice like from yourself or, you know, get online and say, man, you know, I'm tired of getting my butt kicked by Hampton Racing. I, I'm going to have to get one. So, you know, you get a chance, you know, to kind of start researching what, something about Hampton Racing. So um, it looks like, you know, that the, through it all, uh, we worried about our sport of racing, but it looks like it's been, you know, coming back stronger. I guess the other question I'd have for y'all, you've gone to these short tracks, have the fans returned? Oh, boy. Every race, as you know, my son Tom races a tour modified. We run the, you know, the smart modified tour, which I know you're familiar with it, but you know, Chris Lee. Um, first race at Caraway was, I've never seen that many people there. And everywhere we've been, South Boston, everything's been like that. Eldora had a record crowd on Saturday of the Dream. Everywhere we've been, I mean, it's it's amazing, you know, how, how the people are ready to get out, basically, is the thing I can say. I think with, with COVID, it had them locked down for so long. They're just chomping at the bit to get out of the house and go do something. Unfortunately, it's just it's short track race. Um, as far as our business model, it's it's crazy how busy everything is and the money people are spending. It's 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 incredible. With all of that being said, guys, uh, how do you, how do you keep from getting like say I, I hear, hear Cody talking about you know I don't want to get too far out over my skis, you know, hire people that I shouldn't be hiring and everything like that. How do you temper what you guys are doing? And, and even with your expansion right in front of you, how do you kind of keep the lid on it? Cause it would be so easy to say, let me hire 20 people over here, Tom. Oh, let me, let me knock out this back wall and add three more surface plates back here. Uh, Cody, how do you temper that right there? As far as the ebbs and flows of our business. That's a tough one. Well, I feel like for us, obviously we started small, right? We, we've continued to grow to the point we're at now. Um, at the end of the day, it's payrolls every Friday. Um, you've got to do a certain amount of business to make, a, to make it right. And I feel like for us, yes, we'll, there'll be expansion, but we also we got to crawl before we walk. Um, and like I said earlier, I, I don't want to give up the you know, quality that we do for production. Um, I think at some point with what he said is coming in the next few months, there's going to be a lot of talented people um, possibly looking for work. Um, at that point there, obviously, we'll probably revisit trying to maybe expand a little bit. Um, it's just at the moment, it's really hard to find skilled quality people that you can just plug in and go right to work without two, you know, two months of training or whatever the case may be. It's just, it's got to be the right fit and the right time to, to make that next jump to expand. And the other thing is that we look at is when we hire someone, we don't want to hire them and have to get rid of them three months or six months. Yeah. We take, feel a huge sense of responsibility with our 12 employees, you know, that we understand that there's families involved, there's others involved. And before we hire somebody, we always have to look at the numbers. So you look at, okay, if we put this person on, are they going to be able to bring in X? So, you know, you don't want it to be a drain. You want it to be a positive. So it's a challenge. Yeah, every one of them. And I, I talked to uh, uh, a very good friend of mine in York, Pennsylvania, and they run uh, a big company and they have 60 employees. And they've recently ran the numbers and said, we've got to double our force to make any more money. So we'd have to go to 120 employees. So you, that's a, it's this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you can't make a move. And I think everybody out there that's probably watching this thing, you can't make a move without considering it. If I had two people, it changes my insurance deal. All of a sudden, you know, everything goes up exponentially. So you have to create that much more business to be able to cover having business. 
Okay. You know, it's not just a, a, a simple one-to-one -one deal. It, it's not always in favor of the, the owner or the, or the uh, general manager of a company. Sometimes it's real hard. You got to, you got to keep turning the pages and go back further and further. Even early on for us, like I've always told you, we've had a, a backlog, right? Mm -hmm. But point where I think we got down to six or eight cars and I'm, I'm looking at, I'm like, oh boy, what's going to happen if, if this goes to one or two, you know, payroll's still full every Friday. So I guess for me, yes, we're blessed that we have a lot of cars to build, but if, if I filled the building with bodies and we knocked everything out and you run your backlog down, then what do you, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a double. All right. We've been talking a whole lot about business, business models, you know, and ideals and everything. Let's get down to some of the nuts and bolts and that is, can you, can you talk about the setup on your hand key that, you know, maybe some people, you know, would be a little bit, you know, surprised about, you know, what you run uh, for underneath the rear, the rear, rear of your model of your car and or the front. And do you have the ability to get anything? You have options, I guess is what I'm trying to say. How much options do you have that doesn't deviate from your basic chassis? But you just but you add to it from from brakes uh, to springs. To, what what are your recommendations? Um. So obviously for us, buzzer rear ends is number one for the drive line. Mm -hmm. um, spindle Joe we utilize for all of our spindles. Um, as far as uppers, lowers, all that stuff is all built in house. Um, shocks and springs we. Ernest Performance is our, our number one shock provider. Um, SRI is a big supporter of us, and we use Draco Springs on all our race cars, unless you know somebody wants something else. Um, brake systems, PFC, is is number one for us. Granted, there's some customers that are that are either dealers on on other products that they choose to put on the car. That's their their choice. Um, Bassett Wheels, Bassett Wheels is a big big supporter of us. Um, Tilton for master cylinders, um, everything of that such. Reservoirs. Quick Car does all of our uh, all, all of our wiring. Full kits come. They bolt right on the race car. Everything's done. Just it's plug and play. Um, Kenny's Components is a big supporter of us for seats. Um, builds one of the safest seats in the industry, in my opinion. Um, so it's there's a lot of really key people in what we do. And uh, it's what makes us what makes us better, I think. You know, in in the Bob Gosh sent in a pretty uh, interesting question. In a traditional sense of some in-person trade shows, do you consider your company a manufacturer, a distributor, a subcontractor, manufacturer's rep, online vendor, service shop? How how would you guys you know describe your businesses? All okay. the above. Oh. I mean, yeah, we, we manufacture, right? But um, we try to make it a, a more personal experience other than here it is and have fun. But uh, it's definitely a production business at the end of the day. And, you know, I think it's all of the above. I really do. Um, you're, you know, we are in manufacturing now over the last several years. We've gotten more and more making our own parts, designing our own parts, drawing, and then subbing out the machining side of it. Um, the, you know, the technical side we do, obviously we're at the racetracks, we're in a, with our teams in their shops. So it, it's an all encompassing sales, service, all of it, you know, in development, it's hard to wear a lot of hats, but we sure do. And thankfully we've got a family and a great group of employees that support us. I want to go back to the, the guy who asked the thing about uh, Rich asked about your setup, for example. Are there folks when they come to you and you sell them a car? Do you have like a, 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 a basic setup that you can offer them if they came to you and say, look, I'm going to buy this car and I'm going to run Nashville and I'm going to run, you know, what I'm saying if they ran three or four races, racetracks, you know, like, you know, whether it's in Alabama, whether it's in Tennessee or whatever, can you give people a basic setup that will get them started? If, you know, say, especially if you can't go with them or they, maybe they don't want you to go with them, but they need someplace to be able to 
know where they're going and starting and being worried about, well, now what do I need to do once I get there if I have a problem? Can you give them an outline or a little card that says, hey, if it's loose going in and with this setup, then you need to change this first and foremost. You follow where I'm coming from? Um, so what I do, say if, if Tom had one of my cars and he's like, I'm going to Pensacola. Well, I have what's called a build sheet and it has shock springs, all your pivot points, pretty much everything you need. Wedge, nose weight, everything in it. But the one thing I feel like we do different versus other companies is uh, I don't run the same stuff everywhere. So if he calls and he's going to Montgomery on Saturday and Pensacola on Sunday, well, then I'll email him two sheets. This is what you need. This is what you need to change. And this is where you start. Uh, all the way down to bump stops, bump stop loads, shock settings, everything. And, I, I, and I've, over the last three years, I've been able to build a really big notebook of uh, a lot, numerous short tracks across the country, whether it be Kern, California, you know, Kern Racetrack in California or 417 Speedway in, in South Florida. So I feel like we're pretty diverse and it's been, our customers are a big part of that because they've spent the time and money to go and help develop all the, the notebook that we have. That to me, I think is always an interesting point because you see today, uh, and we keep you know talking about the short track and how you get to there. There's a lot of people that are making that transition from go-karts through legends into late models, super late models. And they're, they're having to buy and, and get all the necessary things. So what I'm hearing from you two guys, you know, they can come through either Tom or come through you and you can get a basically, basically an inventory list of what you need to get started in this series. You know, if you're going to go do that from maybe your scales to your gears to, you know, what type of rear end grease you want to be running transmissions, the whole nine yards, you guys can help them get past that. I don't have a clue. All of a sudden you can give them the clue and all the clues to help get to the end deal. Right. What type of, uh, what type of wiring system do you recommend as well as, you know, even, you know, oiling systems that you recommend in your cars right now? So as far as wiring, it's mandated as far as ignition box. There's uh, one manufacturer that provides it and that's, that's all you can run. Um, like I said, quick car does all of our wiring harnesses. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's what we use. What was the other question? Say fuel. Yeah. Well, you know, anything as far as lubricants, you know, Tom or anything like that, that you could, you know, would recommend, for these people when they're getting ready to, or, or what you have found to be better in the long run and worth, you know, if you're not running it, you should switch to it. We, that's a good question. We, we use Maxima on our, that's what we sell personally. So they, they have engine oil, power steering fluid, transmission fluid, uh, gear fluids, all, all the above. And the other one we recommend for the rear or the transmission is Valvoline. You know, everything's full synthetic today, Jeff, nothing's mineral based anymore and the way we build this stuff we run finish everything and the internals are ready so we basically you can go synthetic we don't have to break them in like we used to or any of that so it's a pretty pretty good we don't want to be the you know we don't want to sell every brand there is we want to sell the best brand good deal. Um, just so you i don't know if you can see it on your screen uh the gentleman asked a moment ago about the wiring deal you know, I have ad-libbed a little bit, but he also said that he would love to be uh, able to talk to you sometime, uh, Cody, about wiring. If you're interested, he left his, uh, his uh, contact information on there. So you might want to check that out. Maybe this is one of the beautiful things about a portrait. Uh, this is where, you know, uh, somebody sitting there watching this seminar or, or you know, or, and realizing, well, maybe I can help you. So might want to take advantage of that. And that's what I love, again, about hosting these things is you see some of this stuff come across the screen where you've got people out there that have a genuine interest in not only what you're doing, but how you do it. And every now and then you run across somebody that maybe has a product that could fit right into your uh, inventory and, and make it better for everybody. You just never know. I'd like to add a little something, Jeff, here with... Yeah. We talked about a lot about Cody and I, and I'm just sitting here in the shop kind of reminiscing is we're listening to you and I'm listening to Cody is Robert Hampton. You know, I mean, we were very involved when Robert was alive here, my son, Tom, myself, the guys at the shop, you know, he would challenge us. And uh, 
you know, really do miss Robert. I mean, I remember the last time after they, he was, they bought him out that he came to the shop. I'd never seen him smile that much in all the years I've known him. He was very happy and unfortunately never got to enjoy his retirement. But I know there's a whole lot of us here that talk about him often and we really miss him. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we need to do honor to him. I think that's a great point right there, Tom. And, and Cody, if you want to add uh, add to that, to give us a little bit of background about Hanky Racing, because uh, I kind of know where it came from, but why don't, why don't you tell us about Robert Hanke? And, and I think people would be probably surprised if all the successful race car drivers and some of them that are are in the Hall of Fame that drove sure. you know, his, his cars and, and were very instrumental in, in growing his legacy. He was, he was one of the pioneers in my eyes of asphalt super late model racing. Um, I think he started Hampton Race Cars in 98 um, and it just grew an enormous business. I think he, I don't know the exact number without looking, but it was over 600 race cars that he built while he was in business. Um, his innovation and his, his, I think everybody knows him for his personality and his yeah. wittiness and, and uh, but the, the groundwork he laid here and, and for us to be able to, to come in and be able to purchase it from him, Justin Hortel bought it and uh, gave us the opportunity to, to build what we have now. Um, Robert, Robert laid the groundwork for it. It was, it was pretty incredible. Well, again, his, his, his name is synonymous when you go into these short tracks, especially, you know, the late model uh, guys, everybody knows who he is. I mean, uh, it's kind of like to me in my history, uh, a lot of people don't remember this, but people who understand where I'm coming from, you know, you know of Holman Moody, you know about the Hutchinson Pagan, you know about Banjo's Performance Center. Uh, it's, it's so, I think, interesting when you really start to study the history of motorsports, how there's always key individuals that are instrumental in pushing a series on down the road more than anybody else. And, and Robert Hamke was definitely one of them. And uh, I've got one of your uh, folks that has a uh, 2014 Hamke car. And they got a question for you about there will be running American tires. Uh, and they know how to you know tweak the setup. All I can do is I, I'm assuming this will be the right way to do this, uh, Cody. Uh, have Kim give you a, a shout back there at your at your location and you guys can or you y'all can see what you can do as far as you know trying to figure out if you can help them out with these american tires absolutely call the shop anytime all right that sounds good guys we got about three minutes left uh it's been a pleasure i know that we could have gotten a little bit more maybe in depth in a few areas on setup maybe uh that people were looking for but i think that i don't think i want people getting too much information for free they need to make contact with you and you share with them what you think would be best known. Uh, I know you, I think you did a great job, Tom. It's always a pleasure seeing you and talking to you. I need to get by the shop, visit with you. It's been a while. I came by one time and you were gone. You were out working on, guess what? The new building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Surprise you, did I? <laughs> huh? You knew about it. I didn't surprise you there, did I? No, no. But I, again, I wanted you to tell it. Because I, I don't think that's something that I need to be putting out there until Mr. Buzzy is ready for it to be put out there. So I was excited about trying to get you to, you know, to let everybody know that you guys are growing. You're going to get, you know, not only bigger and better, you're going to get get prettier. You're going to get better organized. I know that's got to be driving you crazy, especially like I say on a Monday. If folks, you just don't have a clue. Uh, these guys, they work very hard to uh, – you know, have an organized shop, but then all of a sudden a bunch of racers running there, like I say, on Monday morning, and they drop off, and I'm going to say this with, with love, they drop all their junk right there in the middle of his shop and leave. Crazy. It's great, though. It's a great crazy. Thank you, Jeff. It is. And thank you for being a part of this. Francis? Thank you, I think Jeff. We, I thank think you. we've done all the damage we can do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tom. Thank you, Cody. I know Judy was delighted to have both of you guys uh, on today. So the webinar has been recorded. It will be posted later on on ePartrade.com. We will be back next week. Next week, the webinar will be hosted by our wonderful uh, uh, alternative host, Brad Gilly 
we will be talking uh, uh, engine vibration, damper, uh, engine vibration dr and drive line with um, Inland Empire and Fluid Damper. It will be hosted by Brad Gilly. We'll be back there at nine o'clock next Wednesday. In the meantime, please go to ePortrait.com. Uh, I heard you know people talking about on this webinar about brake suspension, wiring, etc. We have thousands of suppliers and content on the platform. And as Judy mentioned, uh, this is the place for the industry to connect and engage every single day. So please take advantage of it. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you very much and have a great day and let's go racing. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Cody. Hi, Judy. Hi, Judy.